Let's take our Bibles tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. We've been kind of walking our way through this chapter, a long chapter in the Bible, but thankfully it's broken down into sections, so you don't have to be here all night listening to me preach 170-some verses. I know, you wouldn't stay that long anyway. You'd just get up and leave, probably. But uh, tonight we, we pick it up in verse number 57. Now, one of the things that we've been mentioning is that this chapter in the Bible uh, deals with the Word of God. And not just in a general sense, you know, the, the things, facts about the Bible, facts about the Word of God, but it's really the psalmist praying and talking to the Lord about His effort to seek God through His Word, His desire to know the Lord and walk with the Lord and in, in obedience to Him uh, through His Word and how the Word of God impacts His life. And I think that's so important for us because as we walk and live and seek to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord and draw nigh to the Lord, uh, we need God's Word, don't we? And, uh, and we need to rely upon it and learn from it. And so there's so much in this chapter that has to do with this man dealing with the realities of life and applying the Word of God to those situations in his life. So if you're in Psalm 119, we're going to pick it up in verse 57. Let's stand together, uh, if you're able, as we read uh, verses 57 through 64 of Psalm 119. The psalmist here says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. You can be seated tonight. Here we find the psalmist talking about uh, his relationship to God through his word. And, and uh, I, I've got several uh, areas that I want to point out to you about this uh, passage tonight. The first I want to uh, mention is, is what we find in verse number 57, his affection. The, the affection of this psalmist is he says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. Now it might be easy to to read through the Psalms and come up with this understanding of, well, okay, we, we find, for instance, where uh, the Bible says the Lord is my portion or, or thou art my portion. But I want you to think about this for a moment. What does the word portion mean? When you read through the Bible, the word portion is often uh, mentioned in relation to an inheritance that is received, right? You, you'll find, for instance, uh, where uh, someone is given a double Portion, meaning a double uh, a portion of an inheritance. You find, for instance, and in, uh, in 1 Samuel, where where Elkanah gives to uh, to his wife Hannah there a worthy portion or a double portion. Uh, it's it's an inheritance. It is a gift that is given. And what the psalmist here is saying is that my 
desire, my love, my inheritance is the Lord. When I read that, the thing that comes to my mind is, is the statement that's made several times uh, in regard to the tribe of Levi. If you remember, the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, was, was the tribe that the Lord had appointed to be the servants of the Lord in the tabernacle and in the temple. Uh, it was of the tribe of Levi that there was uh, that the the priest the priesthood came out from them, and so all the priests were Levites. But not all Levites were necessarily priests. But all Levites were busy about the work of the Lord. They were the ones that were tasked with the the day to day uh, responsibilities in worshiping the Lord and leading the nation of of Israel in in their service to God. And when it came time for the Israelites to come into the promised land. The land was divided by tribe and by family, but the tribe of Levi didn't receive inheritance in the land. And several times it is mentioned of them that God actually withheld from them uh, the blessing of having their own land, their, their, their portion of the nation uh, there, because their portion or their inheritance was the Lord himself. That they had this opportunity to serve God in a way that the rest of the nation of Israel could really only dream of. And so you've got these 11 tribes that receive land that is God's blessing to them. And, and, and make no mistake, that was a tremendous blessing from God. Uh, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, uh, a place to call your own, uh, houses to live in and fields to uh, to plant and a place to pass on uh, from generation to generation. God blessed them with that. And, and you might look at that and say, boy, it just doesn't seem fair that God would withhold from the tribe of Levi an inheritance in the promised land. But what God was actually saying is that they have something that other people don't have. They have an opportunity to serve God. They have an opportunity to know God, maybe in a way that others don't. Therefore, the Lord himself is their inheritance. And can I say to you that there's actually something for us to learn from that. Because so often we, we get wrapped up in trying to have an inheritance or a portion here on this earth. Uh, we're concerned about... Uh, about our material possessions here and, and the things that we can gain. And, and, and what the psalmist here is crying out to the Lord is he's saying, Lord, I want you to be more important to me than anything the world has to offer. You're my portion. You're my inheritance. You are what I desire above everything else. See, the Bible tells us that uh, we are to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that we're not to lay up for ourselves treasures upon the earth. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was saying there that it's, it's a wrong thing or a bad thing to own possessions or to save money or anything like that. But what he was saying is your treasure, your desire ought not to be in the things of this world, but in eternal things. And if you would set your love, your affection on heavenly things, you would find that there's greater treasure in heaven than there is on this earth. That the things that God has prepared for you are better than anything this world could ever offer. One of the things that I often think of when I consider this reality is the, uh, the fact that 
Many times those who commit their lives to serving the Lord have to, uh, they, they, they kind of trade off some of the blessings maybe that they could experience in this life for eternal treasure. Uh, think of a, a missionary who <clears throat> sells everything that he has and, and leaves behind his family and his possessions and all those things to go and serve the Lord in a foreign country. Maybe in a place where they don't have everything, that uh, all the conveniences and comforts that we're accustomed to in this life. And, and, and many times, and I've known uh, many missionaries who uh, spend their lives on the, the mission field and come home, and they've got very little in the way of worldly and earthly possessions. And they maybe even left a, a good career behind to go to the mission field. They had opportunity to, to live and, and accumulate things and comforts here in this world, but they left it behind because they realized there's a greater purpose than living for the things of this world, and they sacrificed something in order to follow God's will for their life. You know what they're really saying? The Lord is my portion. I desire Him, and I love Him more than anything this world has to offer. And that really is what the, the, the psalmist is saying here. Uh, Thou art my portion, O Lord... I have said that I would keep thy words. I, I, I want to follow your will for my life above anything else because the, my greatest desire is to know the Lord and to have a relationship with him. He says in verse number 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. In other words, Lord, I, I've requested of you your grace and, and power and blessing upon my life and I have sought after your grace, your favor, with all of my being. I wonder how, many, how much time you spend in your life or I spend in my life seeking God's favor. How, how much time do we spend in prayer before the Lord and, and crying out to Him uh, with, with our needs and saying, Lord, I need your grace. I need your help uh, in order to live in accordance with, uh, with your will for my life. He said, Thou art my portion. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. I have wholeheartedly sought the Lord. So the psalmist here mentions his affection. But I want you to notice also his action. Look at verse number 59. He says, I, and again, in the context of the word of God, what does he say? I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. He says, as I'm in this life, walking the journey of this life with the perspective that God is my portion, that he is what I desire above all else. And as I walked in his word, I thought on my ways. He says, I turn my feet unto thy testimonies. Now, we understand, and I mentioned at the outset of the message, that the Word of God is necessary for living a life in accordance with God's will. We need His Word. His Word gives us truth. It gives us instruction. It gives us correction. And it tells us how we ought to live in order to be pleasing to the Lord. But the psalmist here is, is, is saying that the, the Word of God to him was more than just uh, factual, it was more than just even instruction. He says, as I, uh, as I considered your word, I thought on my ways. Did you know a person who is truly seeking after God is going to be honest with the Lord about things that are going on in their life? 
So many times we want to uh, put up a wall and convince ourselves uh, things about ourselves that may or may not be true. But a person who is genuinely seeking after God is going to say, Lord, help me to see some areas in my life that, have, that I'm in, in need or need to change so that I can change those things and be right with you. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26 says this, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. I, I wonder how often you stop and ponder the path of your feet. How often do you think on your ways? In other words, it's easy for us to kind of get caught up in this idea that, you know, everything's okay between me and God because I know what the Bible says and, and, I, and I'm faithful in church and I serve the Lord in this way or that way. And, and sometimes we kind of ignore the responsibility that we have to really examine ourselves before God. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, he said, Search me, O God, and know my, thought, my, my, my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, reveal to me what might be in my life that's not pleasing to you, so that that can change, because I, I, I want to follow after you. I want to seek after you. I want to know you. And so reveal to me any needs in my life. Have you discovered that sometimes we can be blind to our own problems. Let me give you some strange paradox that's true of me, and I would guess it's true of you. On one hand, I can be my own worst critic. Anyone else like that? I'll get done preaching tonight and I'll go home and beat myself up about all the things that I should have said differently, things that I shouldn't have said, things that I was going to say and forgot to say, and, and I will spend all night going over in my, uh, and critiquing. And by the way, if any of you ever have something negative to say about something that I've said, I've probably thought it before you said it, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying if, if I say something wrong that's not accurate according to the Bible, please feel free to let me know, okay? But I'm just saying, I can be my own worst critic. Here's the strange thing, though. While I'm my own worst critic, I am also my very best defender. I can come up with plenty of excuses for my flaws. And... Because I am my own best defender, sometimes I am blind to my flaws. You know what that's called? Pride. In reality, the reason that we're our own worst critics, pride. We don't like other people to see the flaws in us. And... We want to ignore the flaws that are there. And here's what happens sometimes. Even someone who is trying to do their best, seeking the Lord and, and walking in accordance with His will, will do things like this. We'll pick up a Bible and we'll read it. We'll sit in church and we'll listen to preaching. And we might see some things that aren't consistent between our life and the Word of God. But what happens is, oftentimes we'll put down the book or we'll walk out the door and we kind of forget about what we saw 
And we go on through life thinking that we're better off because we know some truth. Did you know that your knowledge of God's word actually doesn't make you more spiritual? It doesn't. In fact, the, the Bible tells us in the book of James that if we're hearers of the word and not doers, we're deceiving ourselves. We, we've fooled ourselves. We've tricked ourselves into thinking everything's okay when it may not be. But here's a testimony of someone who's seeking after God, and he says, I thought on my ways. I, I allowed God to show me some areas in my life that needed to change. And then I love what he says, and turn my feet under thy testimonies. Verse 60, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Can I just encourage all of us in something here? When God shows you something in your life that needs to change, do not delay Make haste. Time is not your friend. Time gives you opportunity to become self-deceived again. What does the psalmist say? When I, when I pondered my ways, I, I took action. I, I saw some areas that needed to change and I turned my feet. What is that? That's repentance. I, I repented over what was uh, going on in my life that needed to change. And I, and I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I didn't, I didn't say, you know what, I'm going to deal with that tomorrow or next week. I, I, I made haste. I hurried. I ran to follow after God. When God shows you something in your life, a need in your life, take action. Respond to that. That's what the psalmist here is saying. As I'm seeking the Lord, my affection is on Him. I, I, I desire the Lord above everything else. And I'm taking action when His Word shows me needs in my life. I'm responding to that. Are you responding to God? Are you responding to Him? When the Holy Spirit rebukes you for something, do you respond to that? When He reveals sin to you, do you confess it and forsake it and, and, and make that right with God? Or do you make excuse for it? Someone who's seeking after God, like the psalmist here, is going to quickly turn after the Lord. So we see his affection and we see his action. But I want you to notice, if you will, his affliction. His affliction. You see, in, in this chapter, one of the things that we've mentioned several times is that this is written from the perspective of someone that is uh, in a time of trial. There's some people that have risen up against him. And they're causing problems for him, he, he's mentioned his affliction, he's mentioned his uh, reproach and, and the burdens that he carries. And verse 61, he makes this statement, the bands of the wicked have robbed me. Now, I'm not exactly sure what they robbed him of. Uh, they may have robbed him of his possessions. Uh, again, I've mentioned that many people believe that this was, uh, this was actually David that wrote this psalm, and I tend to agree with him. You look at David's life, did wicked men ever rob him? Well, sure they did. Not only of his earthly possessions, though that happened at times, but they robbed him of his dignity. They, they, they robbed him of his position. Uh, they robbed him of, of much of his life as he had to go on the run. But whatever it was, there were wicked people in this psalmist's life that were causing problems for him. And he was in a time of affliction and trial and difficulty. But here's what I want you to notice. He says, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. 
This is so important, friend. Because even in a time of difficulty and trial and discouragement, the psalmist said, the word of God is still important to me. It still matters to me. Sometimes we can become so consumed with the problems that we're facing and the trials that we're facing that we really don't give much attention and much heed to God and what he's doing. Sometimes our difficulties, our discouragement, our grief, our pain can be so overwhelming and all-consuming that that's all that matters to us. Have you ever been in a trial that was so in your face all the time? It was the only thing you could think about. It consumed you. Anyone ever been like that? I have. That's a painful place to be. And you know, when you're discouraged and you're cast down, your flesh doesn't feel like seeking after God. You know the hardest time for me to pray, to read my Bible, is when I'm physically sick. When I'm ill, you know what I want to do? Nothing. <laughs> I want to sleep. Some people, they say, you know, that they, they, there's kind of the stereotype of some men that get sick and they need to be waited on hand and foot. You know, I'm the, I'm the opposite. Like, just leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't, just, just let me rest and I'll sleep this off and I'll be fine. But, but I don't want to even think about reading my Bible and praying. My flesh fights that. Now that's physical illness. But ongoing health problems, you try to tell me that that's not going to have an effect on you spiritually? Or how about overwhelming financial issues? Can those be all-consuming? Absolutely they can. Or family problems? Things that are happening in your home or with your children that, you, that, that burden you and it just consumes your mind? Issues at work? I mean, they're just things that happen in our lives that can be all-consuming. And here the psalmist is saying, I was in a time of distress because the bands of the wicked robbed me, but... I have not forgotten thy law. I didn't allow my discouragement to interfere with or to hinder my pursuit of knowing God. I, I remain faithful in a time of trial and trouble. Look what he says in verse 62. He says, at midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. At midnight. Now what's interesting about that is... Read the Bible, do, do a word search on the word midnight in the Bible. Usually, good things are not happening at midnight. In fact, I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but growing up, I was always told nothing good ever happens after 10 o'clock. Anybody ever heard that before? That was, a, that was like a statement from a concerned mother not to be out too late at night. Right? Nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. Well, in the Bible, that rings pretty true. Midnight, bad things happen. If I'm awake at midnight, there's a problem. Do we have any night owls here? 
Anybody who's up till midnight frequently? Okay. You got to remember, that may be the case for you, but we have things different than they had them in the Bible. We have electricity, lights. That makes a difference. We have more access to caffeine <laughs> than they had back then. And, and people pretty much, when the sun went down, they went to bed pretty quickly. And so the only way that you are going to be awake at midnight, something's wrong. Notice he even says, at midnight I will rise to give thanks. In other words, here's a man who's laying in his bed at midnight awake. You ever laid awake in the middle of the night? Because of problems? Because of affliction? Because of burdens? Can't sleep. What does he say? At midnight, I will rise to pour out my complaint unto the Lord. No, that's not what he says. He says, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee. Because of thy righteous judgment. At midnight, in my affliction, when I can't sleep because of the burdens, my response to the Lord is to give him thanks. What does the Bible say about that? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you know that there is a tremendous power in praising God and giving Him thanks? Do you know that in times of affliction and difficulty and trial, one of the best things you can do is just start praising God and thanking God for His goodness? Notice He doesn't say... Uh, at midnight I will rise and give thee thanks because of my trouble. No, he said because of thy righteous judgments. Because even in the middle of the night when I can't sleep because of my burdens, here is one thing I know. God is still good and his word is still true and I still have things to thank God for. Friend, whatever your difficulty and your trial, can I tell you, if you lay awake tonight, in the middle of the night, and you can't sleep, let me just remind you that God is still good, and you still have things to thank God for. Sometimes you need to get your eyes off of the problem, and off of the circumstance, and off of the bands of wicked men who have robbed you of whatever, your joy. Get your eyes off of that. And on him who is worthy of thanks. Rise off your bed and give thanks to God. We see his affection and his action, his affliction. I want to show you though verse number 63. This is a man who's seeking after God and he speaks of his associates. He says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You know, if you want to be someone who is seeking after God, you need to surround yourself with people who are seeking after God. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 
And here's this man seeking after God. Lord, thou art my portion. What does he say? I'm, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee. I've surrounded myself with people that love and fear God. And then I want you to notice the very last thing he says in verse number 64. His acknowledgement. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 61, the bands of the wicked have robbed me. Verse 62, he's laying awake at midnight. Verse 64, he makes an acknowledgement. He says, the earth is full of thy mercy. As I was studying this, I got to really thinking on the reality of difficulties and afflictions and troubles in our lives. Because every one of us has those things. We go through seasons of trial. Sometimes it seems like the season never ends. And it's possible to get focused on the bands of the wicked that robbed me. And it's possible to get focused on my burdens that keep me awake in the middle of the night. And it's possible to become very negative and complaining about all the problems that I face. But someone who's seeking after the Lord and hasn't forgotten His Word and makes it a point to praise the Lord and surrounds himself with people that love the Lord, you know what he's going to find? No matter the difficulty that I'm facing... All around me, I can see the mercy of the Lord. You see, the earth is full of the mercy of the Lord. Your life is full of God's mercy. But not everyone sees that. Not everyone sees God's hand of mercy and grace in their life. It doesn't mean it's not there. But here the psalmist, after saying all these things, makes this statement. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Lord, in all of these things, you are good. And your, your mercy fills the earth. Look at your life. Despite all the problems and difficulties you face, you're alive tonight and breathing because of the mercy of God. You had food probably to eat today because of the mercy of God. You've got a church that you can come to tonight and gather together with people who love you and love God and His Word. And you can hear His Word. And sing songs of praise to Him because of the mercy of the Lord. And by the way, if you look at your life, you'll find the mercy of the Lord is all over it. And then as you look out in the world around you, you know what you find? The earth is full of the mercy of the Lord. I, I'm going to say something tonight that's probably controversial, that some people might not even like. Why would, why would God allow these wicked people murderers and drug dealers and 
traffickers and terrorists to live. Why would he allow them to continue? Can I tell you? Because of the mercy of the Lord. Do you realize that God's mercy even extends to those people? To be willing to give them an opportunity and space to repent and get things right with him. Now there's going to come a day that mercy reaches its limit and, and they're going to stand in judgment before God and they're going to face his wrath. But I'm just saying God's merciful. And I'm thankful that he is because I'm here tonight and I don't deserve to be and neither do you. I looked up in my, just above my uh, front door at my house, there's a bird's nest up there. I got to knock it down because I'm not as merciful as the Lord. But I got to thinking about the statements that God makes, Jesus made, about how meaningless these little sparrows are. He said not one of them falls to the ground without your heavenly father knowing. And God feeds them with grain and he provides shelter for them. You know why? Because he's merciful. I'm just telling you, here's what the psalmist saw. As he, he chose to focus on the Lord, and as he looked around him at everything in the world, in his life and the earth around him, you know what he said? The earth is full of the mercy of the Lord. The southwestern United States tonight, dealing with historic drought, heat. There's people that are afraid they're going to run out of water and not have water to drink or to bathe or do those things. And I was thinking this afternoon as God sent a storm our way, we don't tend to think of storms as a positive thing, but all that rain that God poured down, you know what I was thinking? God is raining down his mercy upon us. I mean, there's just so many things that we could talk about tonight that show forth the mercy of God. But the issue is this, are we willing to look at the earth and see the mercy of the Lord that fills it, or are we going to look at the earth and look at our lives and see the bands of the wicked? Both are a reality. Troubles and trials come. In, in this world ye shall have tribulation, Jesus said. I mean, th this life is full of trouble. But are we going to seek God or are we going to dwell and live in our problems? Here was a man seeking after God who set his affection on the Lord and associated himself with, with people who loved the Lord and had committed to allowing the word of God to change his life. And he said, in the midst of all my problems, I decided and determined to see the mercy of God and the goodness of God in my life. And tonight, can I just challenge you and I to see the mercy of the Lord that's filling the earth all around us? In all thy ways acknowledge him, it says in Proverbs 3. You acknowledge the Lord in everything in your life. Acknowledge him. This is the testimony of someone who seeks after God. Let's pray.